0: part news daily. Thanks for being here. Busy show today. We talked to John Hayward about, uh, Iran- well, the Navy SEALs first, the two Navy SEALs who are still missing from last Friday off the coast of Somalia and how this happened, what happened and how it happened. We talked about Iran and did some AB analysis. We know what the first three years of the Trump presidency was like before COVID. We know what the last three years of Biden has been. So let's apply that to different things. So how do they both view Iran? For instance, how do they both deal with Taiwan? How do they both view deal with all these different issues? And now we can, be more clear with who our choices are between Uh, a wonderful exercise. So we did that with John earlier. Then we talked about the showdown at the border, not between illegal immigrants and border patrol, but between Texas and the border patrol. Did that with Randy Clark. Uh, But coming up, we're going to play the interview we did with Doug Burns about the G E Jean Carroll lawsuit that Trump was in court for yesterday. Like ridiculous, like, like really actually very scary about, forget about trump like it doesn't mean anything for trump but like my three sons like my three boys that you can be accused of rape deny it then get sued for defamation because you're calling that person a liar that's that's what's happening here so i was like we got to get dug on and i need him to tell me that that's not true and he uh said no that's that's what's happening that's what's just, I was like oh brutal so we'll hear from doug in just a little bit a little bit i uh, want to play this segment though this is our this is the last explainer i'm going to do of the midwit not nitwit but midwit M-I-D, mid, like middle, midwit, midwit. So when we use this term from now on, we're all gonna be on the same page with what exactly it is. So what is a midwit? this on the twitter someone said my favorite part of election night is watching the big city millionaire journalists in three thousand dollar jackets talking about the flyover hicks standing directly in front of them like their exhibits at the bronx zoo i (laughs) I loved watching the videos of these journalists interview uh people going to the caucus uh with all their trump paraphernalia on and they're like who are you (laughs) tell me about you and how you live. It's like coming upon a, a tribe in the middle of some island somewhere in the middle of the ocean. They've never, never seen these peoples before. I want to talk about midwits in this segment. This is a video of a woman. She's maybe on a 30 and she's got her master's degree and her husband went to trade school. Here's what she's telling the camera. And here we go. So this past July, he had already brought home brought home more than my gross salary this year. Come December, he will have quadrupled my salary, quadrupled it. If he decides to pick up overtime on a weekend, a two day weekend, if he picks up overtime, he brings home that weekend, just in those two days, more than I make in a two week check. I have a master's degree. He has a high school diploma. So that reason right there is why I will not push college on anyone. If you think that college is not for you and you want to try a trade school, obviously look into it. See if you think that you have what it takes and then 100% do it, do it. I don't think that enough people are talking about this and it is 100% worth it. If you stick with it, of course, I heard a great line. The other day, someone said, "The smarter you get, the less you are impressed by college degrees. The smarter you get, the less you're impressed by college degrees. That's the midwit. So if you're if you're a low IQ, you've been a non college educator, Which, by the way, seventy two percent in Iowa caucus didn't even go to college. Seventy two percent of Trump support. Seventy two percent people who didn't even go to college supported Donald Trump. And the people who have advanced degrees." 37% of them supported Nikki Haley. Only 25% supported Donald Trump. So if you're one of those low IQ, you've been told to be impressed by college degrees. You're one of those plumbers, electricians, truck drivers. You're told you need to be impressed by those with a college degree. So then you enter the world of, of, of college, right? And the people with college degrees. And then you're impressed by degrees, but only from the good colleges. Not from like, you know, like the state schools. You know what I mean? Like, like we're talking about good colleges. And then even among the good colleges, like, oh, are you Ivy League? Like, oh, you're, it only matters if you're really Ivy League. And then you get the higher degrees. Oh, the higher degrees. You have a master's degree. Oh, wow, you're, you're brilliant. Oh, oh, doctorate. Oh, wow. And then you move past all the nonsense. And you finally enter the SAGE category. And when you enter the SAGE category, you become less and less impressed with college degrees at all. And then you ultimately realize that these college degrees almost always make you dumber so you're not only not impressed but these higher degrees are like a warning watch out for this person there was a time when having a college degree meant something it was good right there was a time for that check this out i found this out in the yale daily news this is from 1975. these are remarks comments that professors put on students' papers, all right? This is a biology professor. This is what he wrote. This is what they wrote on his paper. You're a fascist. This is an English professor. BS, crap, this is ridiculous. A philosophy professor wrote on a paper, grade F. If you had given me only 15 pages of BS, I could have given you a C. But for 55 pages, I have to give you an F. An English professor said, where did you get these ideas? From Sesame Street? An illiterate high school teacher? An English professor said, this is very very badly written, incorrect, inexpressive, lumbering, repetitious, no sense of proportion, no regard for the assignment. Do not do this to me again. English teacher said, generally it sounded like you had glued this prose together and then left the paper out in the rain. An English professor said, you, better, you write better when you don't think. Another professor wrote crock of S, (laughs) right? And so like, they were tough. These professors actually were professors. Uh, And now at Yale, 80% of grades are A's. Especially in the women's and gender studies classes where the most brilliant students go. I'm not kidding, the greatest percentage of A's in any department are women's and gender studies. Clearly they're the most brilliant, right? But there was a time when college was worthwhile and it was important and it meant something. Maybe it did make you smarter maybe it, it turns you into a sage but now it's it makes you dumber it turns you into a midwit and it's making us a nation of midwits and we're being run by midwits we talked in the first uh opening show opening the show because john king from cnn was like oh look at look at these uh iowans, iowans counting the votes on pieces of paper see trump supporters democracy works this is how it's done and and the fact that people question democracy and and the legitimacy of elections breaks my heart because look they're counting it's like yeah john they're they're counting the votes i know because i'm watching them do it when you go to detroit and they do it behind a door a window and they tape the windows up with cardboard so you can't see it and there could be no cameras that's when we have some problems john so we played the video from a week before the election in 2020 from pbs news hour pbs news hour Week before the election, talking about how Dominion voting machines in, in, in Georgia are so easy to hack and broken and by everyone, and how they're ridiculous. They were setting the stage for if Trump wins and they could claim voter fraud. Clearly, that's what that was. We played four minutes of this video. And someone wrote me an email and they said, Slater, this voting system was designed by midwits. Like, obviously, made things way more complicated than they needed to be. Let me try to explain the midwit one last time. I'm going to do this one. I know you're a I get it. I get it. Let me do it one last time so that when I use the term now, like we're all on the same page with it. And I love this way of viewing the world because it explains why the left not only hates you, of course, but also hates Trump. It's why they can't understand why anyone would vote for him. And the best they could come up with is you're a racist. That's all they got because they can't understand it. So here's the deal. People are on a bell curve. On the far left are the truck drivers, right? The, the, the plumbers, the tradesmen, people who work with their hands. Farmers, deplorables, bitter clingers, people with guns, <laughs> you get it? Low IQ, people to look down upon. Then the bell curve on the far right are the sages, brilliant, wise sages. And the thing is, these two groups of people agree almost all the time. It's it's pretty similar to the Adam Corolla rich man, poor man. Are you familiar with rich man, poor man? So there's certain things that Only rich people and poor people have in common. There's no middle. Only the rich and only the poor do. No one in the middle does. Exclusively rich man or poor man. So one would be um, lives next door to a rapper. Rich man, poor man. No one in the middle lives next door to a rapper. But rich man, right? Uh, Has an outdoor shower. Rich man, poor man. One of my best friends grew up with meth addict parents. And uh, he, he had a... He like took a bucket, and he had to fill it with water somewhere else, and then he like put it up on a piece of wood, and like made a makeshift shower for himself outside. Uh, that's rich man, poor man, not carrying a wallet. Uh, what was another one, rich man, uh, greatly affected by the raising the minimum wage. <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, spends a day in his pajamas, right? Rich man, poor man, and it's similar here, right? It's it's low IQ, high IQ. It's truck driver and sage. Agree. But it's the midwits in the middle. It's everyone in between who have average or above average IQ and have an expensive education. They think they're super smart and they make things way more complicated. Voting in the Iowa caucus, you know what they did? They put the name down on a piece of paper and the, and then they put it in a popcorn bucket. And the guy pulled it out of the popcorn bucket and said, Trump, and handed it to another woman who looked at it and said, mm-hmm, yep, Trump. And then two other people saw it, and they put a mark down, and the one for Trump, and they did that. And the whole thing was wrapped up in two hours. And John King's like, oh, look, democracy works. It's like, yeah, I know, John, but that's not what Dominion voting machines did. Oh, Dominion voting machines, you have to go when you... Uh uh, you have your uh, ID card or or something, and you go and you uh, say that you're who you are, and they give you uh, they give you an ID card. You take this ID card and you put it in the, this machine, and it's like this big iPad. And the big iPad like just puts up random races all the time, and you click it, and then uh, a QR code falls comes out and a QR code. You can't check the QR code, of course. So it's a QR code, and you can scan the QR code as many times as you want, and it registers your vote. And there you go. It's great and even the, the pbs guys like this seems um, unnecessarily complicated <laughs> of course it is because it's designed by a bunch of midwits think of the scene from indiana jones the arab the guy with the, the sword spinning around that's the midwit looks good looks the part right if i remember correct i should watch the scene i've made this reference a couple times to confirm that this is actually what the scene is. but the guy jumps in and he's like wearing this like black like outfit thing and like he looks really good and He's like swinging this awesome-looking sword. He's swinging around like, well, like he's sw- like the midwits look the part. And he's swinging around, and then Indiana Jones just shoots him. So Indiana Jones is the is the low IQ. But the sage would say the same thing: just shoot him. But the midwit is like, oh, and here's the other thing with midwits: midwits get scared at other midwits. At right, the midwit they're trying to make you a midwit because if you're a midwit you could be manipulated by other midwits other people in the midwit say, like oh I'm not as smart as that person that person is way smarter than me we always about Tony Fauci Oh, the CDC says Oh, and it's true with opinions it's true with policy it's true with, like you like look at the border the low IQ truck driver says we need to secure the border the wise sage says we need to secure the border. It's the midwits in the middle who are like, "Oh well, who's to say?" And sovereignty is, causes wars, and borders cause wars, and Greek exceptionalism too, and all oh, poor huddled masses and Emma Lazarus and the new Colossus, whatever. Those are the college midwits. Oh, I got a clip here. This is, um, this is a good one. This is this is an old clip. I just can I just saw it yesterday though. I was like, "Oh, it's a perfect example." That's I'm saying. When you understand the midwits, you see it everywhere. This is from a couple years ago. This clip. This is the co- head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he was playing some game against another black head coach, and they're like, "Oh, what do you think about, you know, two black coaches?" And the the uh, the low IQ person and the sage would give this answer, but the midwit is like, "Oh, well, it's history and then and, and, and DEI and diversity and blah blah blah." And he, here here's this guy's answer: You and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I no wonder what your relationship was like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold.
1: I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, We don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right, and that when young aspiring, guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start, stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well.
0: Okay, of course. So the low IQ person, the truck driver would say, um, ask a question about race and they're like, I don't care. And the sage says, I don't care. But the midwits, those reporters and everyone says, oh, you must care. What about uh, representation and you guys and you people, and right? That's the midwits. A couple of days ago, we were talking about instinct and intuition and a low IQ person would say, I trust my instincts. And the sage would say, I trust my instincts. And the midwit would say, oh, no, I don't, I, I, the instincts. Oh, you gotta show me the studies and the research and the science. And what does the FDA say? And what does the New York Times editorial board say? Uh, anyone who says I trust my instincts is an idiot. How dare you trust your instincts and your experience. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't have your masters in women's and gender studies. You didn't go to Harvard like joy, Reed and major in film studies. <sighs> I'll give you another one. I'll end on this cause I gotta go, uh, believing in God. It's only idiots who believe in God, right? It's only the low IQ fools. And the midwit says, Oh, you and your, you and your flying spaghetti monsters. I trust in science. <laughs> But then you keep going down that bell curve, and you get to the brilliant sage, the world's greatest scientist. Isaac Newton spent most of his time as a theologian. Spent vast majority of his writing was about God and theology. Heisenberg, father of quantum mechanics, of course, believed in God. There was a—it's um, a quote attributed to him, to Heisenberg, but it was actually his protege, protege who said it. But the line is the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. So you start off as low IQ and you believe in God, as all idiots do. But then you take that first gulp of natural sciences and that will turn you into an atheist. It'll turn you into a midwit. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. You keep drinking of that glass of the sciences and then you get uh, beyond midwittery and you enter into the sage category where you're like, oh wow, this is incredible. This can only be done by a creator. Drink to the bottom of the glass and God is waiting for you. Francis Bacon said the same thing. He said, a little philosophy inclineth a man's mind to atheism, but depth in philosophy brings men's minds about to religion. Alexander Pope, 1709, he said, a little learning is a dangerous thing. Think about that, a little learning, because that brings you into the midwit stage. The midwit. A little learning is a dangerous thing. Drink deep or taste not the Pierian spring. I love that line, the Pierian spring, however you pronounce it. That's where the muses lived. It was the source of all true wisdom back back in the day. So Alexander Pope says, a little learning is dangerous because it turns you to a midwit. You got to go all in. And you know where you'll end up? (laughs) Usually with the same conclusion you started with. So my point is, don't trust the midwits. Don't trust him. But they hate Trump because he talks like a low IQ fella. He's actually a sage. They thought he was one of them, they thought he was a midwit. But now they think he's an idiot. And they have to hate all the idiots like you. our interview with Doug Burns. Welcome back to Breitbart News Daily. Doug Burns about this E. Jean Carroll lawsuit, which I don't care about with Trump. I'm just asking more from a legal perspective. How can this all be the case? All right, so a funny story yesterday came out of the news where Trump's in this trial, and uh, I guess he was talking to his lawyer too loudly, and the judge said, Mr. Trump, I hope I don't have to consider excluding you from the trial. I understand you're probably very eager for me to do that, and Trump said I would love it. So that's what made the news. But then I'm like, well, wait, what trial? What a trial? So this is the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit. So here, here's how I understand this, and then we have Doug Burns here who can tell me that I'm wrong because there's no way what I'm gonna describe here is true. It is, it is no way possible that we live in a country where someone accuses you of rape back in 1995 or 1996, you can't remember, which is why the media just says back in the 90s. So someone accuses you of rape, you say that's not true, And then they accuse you of defamation? You're defaming me by calling me a liar? And I'm going to sue you now for $5 million because you've defamed me? There's no way that's real. Doug Burns, former U.S. assistant attorney in the criminal division. Mr. Burns, how are you, sir? Good, how are you? Doug Burns Law on the Twitter. Uh, No way what I just said is true. Correct me where I'm wrong.
1: No, you're 100% correct. Oh, no,
0: Doug, no. There's no way. So if if someone accuses you of rape and you say, no, I didn't, you've defamed them?
1: No, no, you have not. Sorry. Uh, We got our wires crossed. I agree with you that what this is about is everything is hysterical characterizations. As a 38-year veteran lawyer, I have watched for five years on and on and on as everything gets you know twisted and contorted and the outer boundaries of statutes and bending over to the breaking point and all of this stuff so you're exactly right so if somebody in a different ideological spectrum turned around and says what this person is saying is a lie they'd say this is wonderful exercise of his right to present his side it's just it's just you can hear the disgust seriously in my voice It's not a joke. And this just goes on and on and on. Having said that, I'll hang a caveat, which is that Donald Trump um, should either, A, be advised better from a public relations standpoint, or, B, to the extent that he overrules all that advice, as he has the right to do, should moderate his comments and his behavior. This thing with dictator. Last night I was with my 90 two-year-old mother who's a relatively moderate democrat and she said she looked me right in the face he said he's going to be a dictator and i'm just completely disgusted because they take every single word the guy says um and they just twist it and contort it to no end and it's just it's running off the rails be perfectly honest with you, it's running yes. off the rails. So, in the case in New York City, just quickly so everybody understands A, it was a very, very, very old case, as you pointed out, and that's important because we lawyers deal with stuff like statute of limitations. B, um, the judge, Louis Kaplan, is no fan of Trump. And I'm further disgusted to see these judicial figures acting in a way that really doesn't go on in day-to-day cases, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, and, and it just goes on. And the point is the judge already found him liable. That's another newfangled thing with Trump. Okay, don't give somebody a day in court. Don't let them present their side. Just find them liable. That's what Judge Engeron did in this ridiculous, and I cannot stress that word enough, case about him inflating his assets. That's an absurd case. That's another seminar. I don't want to get all into that, but the point is no bank lost a dime. <laughs> Everybody was paid back. I'm chuckling. When I was in the United States Attorney's Office, the FBI would routinely come in. They said, Mr. Burns, we want to present a bank fraud case. I said, shoot, tell me the facts. The defendant claimed he made $220,000. He only made 80. Here's his W-2. Okay, I said, that's clearly a fraud that he certified that he made that 220 and then i would say but by the way what's the status of the loan and their faces would redden a little bit well actually uh, all the payments have been made and i would calmly and phlegmatically explain <laughs> that yes The fraud is complete when the person lies on the form to get the loan. However, it's United States attorney policy in the Eastern District of New York that we decline a case if there's no loss in terms of the performance of the loan. Mm. Case closed. Next topic. This case in (laughs) New York City um, is just breathtakingly absurd.
0: Great. Um, So back to this E. Jean Carroll. Yeah, sorry. Back to E. Jean Carroll. I mean, what are you
1: going to say about it? First of all, nobody (laughs) has heard of this case. Okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> How can no, no? I'm
1: talking it? about the average person, not the one percent bubble we're in. Media, yeah, yeah. Both of us are professionals in media. We talk about this fine. You tell you walk down the street today, ask ten people, uh, tell me what you think of the Eugene Carroll. All ten will say, "I never heard of it."
0: Yeah. So I'm, I, this, I'm glad you said that. I'm actually less concerned about this and like the political implications for Trump. I'm way more concerned about my sons, who Absolutely. can be of accused of something, say it didn't happen, and then be dragged back into court for for defamation calling me here's what here's what eugene said she said by the way sorry to interrupt you but
1: hear me out my late father was a great great lawyer arnold burns okay very well known lawyer and my dad said that many many times he didn't bring defamation cases because it was simply going to highlight what the person said. So quick law school classroom example. Somebody says, Doug Burns is a big drug addict, yada, yada. And my father might say, Doug, don't sue, because if you do, then it's going to be repeated over and over that you're a drug addict. Here, it's actually the 180-degree opposite. This woman wanted the attention and the exposure on this, by the way. And it's interesting, because that's what the Trump lawyers are arguing right now, because they're doing a damages hearing. And she's saying, you know, the Internet world is attacking her and Trump caused this. And the other side is saying she's gotten more exposure and a better economic landscape as a result of this. Oh, interesting.
0: She said, I'm here because Donald Trump assaulted me. And when asked about it, he denied it. Now I'm known as a liar, a fraud and a whack job. And you're like, well, I mean, of course, he's entitled to deny it, as you (laughs) said. this up. Everyone denies everyone denies it i I, I can't fathom this is what is defamation
1: okay defamation um is a blanket term interestingly enough for two things libel and slander okay libel is in writing and slander is oral so if i print a newspaper article for example saying again that you know joe Schmo is a drug addict and it's not true that could be a libel action if i say it at a public gathering you know I'm a political candidate, and I go, my opponent is a drug addict. That's slander. So basically she sued him for that, saying that he damaged her reputation, you know, with falsities and so on. But again, you make such a good distinction. The normal, uh, normal falsity is the guy beats his wife. The guy's a drug addict. This one is I'm denying... A legal assertion, as you said, not to be a broken record, and you're right. Uh, but again, Trump doesn't do himself any favors. Um, he tends to go a little overboard. You know, he called Judge Angeron. I would advise him to say, you ready? This judge appears to be very, very biased, okay, and he appears to be biased against me. Instead, Donald Trump says he's a deranged psycho. <laughs> you know, it's not really that advisable for a former president. And it's the same thing here. So if you look at the E. Jean Carroll tweets, You'll see stuff – I can't tick it off verbatim, chapter and verse off the top of my head, but you'll see stuff analogous to deranged, psycho, that kind of language. Sure, sure, sure. But again, he did not get a fair shake in court. That's the bottom line. Wow.
0: Okay, uh, 20 seconds. How could it then proceed? Why would, why would this not just be nixed immediately?
1: Why be Nixon? No, because you have a judge. Um, they are weaponizing the, the courts uh, for political reasons, quite candidly. You've heard all the right-side experts say that, and they're right. Um, and the point is Judge Kaplan – who I appeared in front of twice, by the way, in two cases, and was a perfectly acceptable judge in a day-to-day straightforward case. But here there is bias uh, against Trump. There's no question about it. And that's what enables this to happen. But that's why we also have appellate courts. And the federal appellate court, which is the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, um, I think will hopefully give Trump a fair shake. Yeah,
0: ridiculous. Doug Burns, Doug Burns Law on the Twitter. Doug, great to talk to you, brother. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Take I mean, care.
0: I, I can't believe that's true. <laughs> I cannot believe that that's America. Like, that is so antithetical to everything, that you can, you can be accused of something, say no, that didn't happen, and then, oh, you're calling me a liar. Wow. I'm American man. Listen to Brightpart News Daily. Hey, we're streaming the show live now on the first TV.com, the first TV app, Direct channel three forty seven. Just look for the first TV. Anywhere you stream anything, and uh, you can watch the last two hours of the show now as well, which is super cool. Uh coming up tomorrow we'll talk about this assault weapons ban that is past the Pennsylvania house. Uh and obviously the great John Nolte will be here at eight o'clock tomorrow as well. Mike Slater, Brightpart News Daily. Have a great day.